Fashion Radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team! <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor-comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. I remember the night mom was pounding on her drums. She called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up. Pretty soon you're gonna drive. And daddy heard the commotion and came, came in tap dancing, playing his six string. And they both looked at me and they said, son, before you get behind the wheel of a car, you listen to me. If you're texting while you steer, don't drive. If you've been drinking beer, don't drive. If you're talking on the phone, don't drive. If your tires are bald and it's starting to snow, don't drive. If your foot can't reach the pedal, don't drive. If you're wearing no apparel, don't drive. If you took an illegal prescription, don't drive. And no one understands your diction, don't drive. Don't speed, don't read, don't breathe, don't tweet, don't shave, don't rave, don't wave, don't eat, and don't put no makeup on or shave. You know you're not supposed to do that. If you gotta do something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and step on my blue suede shoes. Ah, go ahead and scuff them up. If you're driving with your knees, don't drive. If while you roll, you eat, don't drive. If you don't know how to drive, don't drive. If you've been psychedelicized. If you're kissing on your boo Don't drive If the boo's kissing on you Don't drive If you've been drinking at a bar Don't drive If there's guns in the car Don't drive Don't groom, don't shave, don't tweeze, don't nurse Don't voice these things in your ears Or rummage through your purse Ugh. Don't do that huh. If you won't Something you're not supposed to do You can go ahead and talk on my food man chew Go ahead, I don't care Watch me tear If you feel like a nap Don't drive If there's a pooch on your lap Oh, it's dangerous and creepy If you're feeling really wired If your license is expired Don't you drive around the town Something you're not supposed to do You can go ahead and step on my blues way shoes Scuff them up Then go ahead and pull on my Fu Manchu yeah. If 
gonna do something that's good. If you're feeling like any of that stuff, don't drive! Make sure you got a clear head. Ow! Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and and guess who's back? Actually, uh, that's kind of a trick question because I can't decide whether to say Crispin Boyer is back or Zeus the Mighty is back because, in fact, they're both back. And uh, joining me by phone is the author of the Zeus the Mighty series for National Geographic Kids, Crispin Boyer. Crispin, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Tom. We're back. <laughs> Zeus and I are happy to be back. And and this is kind of a, a double pleasure for me because you're always fun to talk to, but I love these Zeus the Mighty books. Can we, for people who haven't heard our conversations in the past, can we give kind of a, a quick synopsis of what the series is all about, the Mount Olympus Pet Center and the various gods contained within Oh, yeah, happy to. So it's kind of a fun, the series is a fun way to learn about Greek mythology with a, with a fiction series set at a pet center in Athens, Georgia, called Mount Olympus Pet Rescue Center. And it focuses on the main character is Zeus, who is a tiny hamster, and all of the different animals at the pet rescue center. And the, the quirky thing about the series is these animals aren't pretending that they are the uh, Greek gods, uh, Zeus and, and Ares and, and uh, Athena, that they actually believe they are these Greek gods. And they see the pet center and all of the parts of the pet center, the aquariums and everything, as ancient Greece. So they'll look at, you know, the aquarium section and see the agency. Or they'll, in, in this latest book, they actually go into the crawl space beneath the pet center, and that is the underworld. And it's a way of the... the you know, kids can kind of learn about history and Greek mythology while they're while they're reading these fun adventures of these these animals. The way it's almost kind of tricking the kids into learning something. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's funny you say trick kids into learning something, and and it almost sounds like it's something evil, but it's something all parents have done at one point or another. Um, I remember... Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I didn't make it sound evil. <laughs> I, I, I remember tricking uh, my, my oldest daughter into um, eating green vegetables because she was a huge fan of The Land Before Time, and all, uh-huh. of, the, all of the characters were always you know, looking for a place for more food and and, and it was green food. They wanted green yeah. food. So all vegetables became green food. And <laughs> my daughter would eat them because that's what Littlefoot ate. You know, it, anyway, I'm I'm familiar with the idea. That's, smart. that's pretty smart. I like that idea. Tricking kids into <laughs> eating their vegetables and into learning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you want to be an herbivore. You know, they didn't really have pizza in the land before time. So. No, not so much. And and uh, <laughs> nary a Cheeto. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I that I love about this book is, in addition, um, a part of the way you go about tricking kids into learning about Greek mythology <laughs> is that you. Let's embrace that slogan now. You're going to win this bowl with that. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, 
But but one of the things that you do, and, and you described it a little bit a moment ago, Crispin, is there is a map in the front of the book of the uh, Mount Olympus Pet Center. And so it shows how the thing is laid out like a regular pet shop. But yet all of these different areas within it represent different aspects of what people might find in uh, in Athens um, while reading uh, various Greek myths. And, and there's also a section that, that breaks down all the, that, that shows the actual Mount Olympus region. And yeah. And and some some things about the actual characters themselves. So after you've uh, gone on the exploits with uh, Zeus the Mighty, um, like like this new one, and I didn't mention the new title, the Epic Escape from the Underworld. Once you've uh, lived through that, you can actually read about the original Zeus or Poseidon or Hades or Artemis and so on. Yeah, well, that, uh, that's part of the the tricky part. <laughs> is that, you know, the, the book opens with the, the map of, of the pet center, and it's, uh, I'm glad you picked up on it, because at the end of the book, after kids finish the story, they see the actual map of, like you're saying, that whole region, you know, ancient Greece, which is kind of a tricky thing, because ancient Greece wasn't really uh, like a country or a kingdom or anything. It was just all these loosely allied city-state areas, and so whenever I, I you know, I, I was working with the artist, the illustrator, who, who does all the illustrations for the book, I, I looked at a map of, of what could, uh, most approximated ancient Greece, you know, like 5,000 years ago, and um, then created the, the layout of the Monolithic Pet Center to, to roughly mimic it, you know, where, where the, there's, you know, the Isle of, uh, you know, Crete in, in the middle of the agency. And, and, you know, where Mount Olympus is on this kind of loosely corresponds to where it is in, in, in real geography. And then, and then the idea is whenever kids get to the end of the book and they've read about all these different adventures of these animals that are kind of, you know, they're silly and having fun, but also each, each book in the series takes one of the different myths and adapts it. So then at the end of the book they can then see, oh, here's a map of ancient Greece, and then read about the actual myths that this story is based on. And so, you know, hopefully by the end of the book, they're like, oh, yeah, I'd like to learn more about, some, you know, this part of history. And then they can, you know, it's nothing, it's not like the end of the book is like an encyclopedia. It's like, you know, five or six pages devoted to it. But um, that's also then, it's, it's a jumping off point if they wanted to, you know, start reading more about uh, any, you know, history itself or, or you know, hopefully it, it, it piques their interest a bit in that kind of thing. Now, these books are obviously for young readers, but how young? It's a middle school, so they 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 sh- we're, we're shooting for like eight to twelve years old. Um, I don't have many kids myself, but I have you know nieces and I have friends with kids, and you know some of them because the the books do have really nice illustrations. They're they're good books to read, I think, to your kids. And um, and I've had you know friends with kids as young as five that like that enjoy the stories because you know they can. The, each each chapter in the book is pretty short, so it's the kind of thing where you can just read a few chapters. Uh, although I try and make each chapter end on a little cliffhanger, so <laughs> theoretically <laughs> they could start reading it, and, and then the, you know the child would be like, "Oh, let's do one more chapter." And then you just can't help tricking kids, can you? 
This sounds like, is that, is that going to be a quote for the book jacket? Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's, I'm Sumner. It's certainly, become <laughs> a, it's certainly become a theme for our conversation this morning, yes. Crispin. That's, yeah. um, but but it's, it's funny, when you say it, it sounds like it's, it's something bad or something we shouldn't do, but, but it's actually something we do all the time. It, you know, it's it's sort of like, hey, what do you know? Look at this. This is a story about you know this uh, um, this little what 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 is Zeus the Mighty actually? Looks like a um, hamster. Yes, he is a the uh, actual species is a Syrian golden hamster. So I guess kind of like your your run of the mill hamster, and uh, and that's kind of the the joke with him is that he is really small animal compared even to the other Olympians, which are the other animal uh, gods of the Angzalic. Because there's Athena, who's a cat. There's Ares, the god of war, who's actually a pug dog. Uh, and he's like a little, you know, ball of chaos. There's uh, Poseidon, who's a puffer fish. And, you know, that's one of the challenges with the, with the, the series is how, how do I, A, kind of set this as realistically as I can in a, in a pet rescue center but B, then how do I get all these animals together to go on these adventures where they basically remove different myths, famous myths? And so, you know, you've got a fish. How does he hang out with these land animals? And, and what it is is Poseidon gets inside this dive helmet that's filled with water and has a hose, and, and basically that's how he rolls around outside of his fish tank and travels around with everybody. Um, you know, there's a few problems there with maybe the physics or the logic, but I think... I think the kids will be okay with that. <laughs> now, some of the titles, uh, I mentioned the title of, of this newest uh, book. And is this, what, is this book four or five in the series? This is four. Um, yeah, this, so they're, they're written in a way that you don't necessarily have to start at book one to get on the ground floor. They're, they're fairly self-contained. But if, you know, if, if uh, young readers start at book one, which was uh, the quest for the golden fleas, and then follow it through, there's, there, are, you know, there is some character development and a few items and things that carry through. But also, I didn't, um, I remember when I was a kid, I read, uh, I, I, one of the first series that I picked up to read was the, the uh, C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm. <clears throat> and I picked up, I thought it was like seven books in that series. But I basically picked the one that had the coolest-looking cover art. Said, "I'm going to start with that one," <laughs> and uh, you know, I was pretty much I was pretty lost. I didn't know what was going on. But I, I want this. I wanted my series to be more accessible. You know, it is for a younger audience, so I wanted them, uh, you know, a kid to be able to pick up any any entry in the series, really read it, and then be like, oh, "Okay, I, I, this makes sense. I can follow who's who." So, so it is a series, but each book within the series is a standalone book. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, that's my goal. That's my goal is to. You don't have to start with book one. Um, you can pick the one that you think has the coolest cover art. <laughs> Go. <It was> like <laughs> that was my criteria as a kid. Well, and that was their way of tricking you into reading the book. <laughs> um, they got me. Yeah, they did. They got you with the with the cover. More about Nat Geo Kids series Zeus the Mighty and its latest installment with author Crispin Boyer. Straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hornets. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about Nat Geo Kids series Zeus the Mighty and its latest installment with author Crispin Boyer straight ahead. Crispin, I want to ask you about this title. Am I missing something in the epic escape from the underworld? Because previous titles have been puns on actual um, uh, Greek myths. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. No, I, I think this one is pun-free in that um, if I just couldn't come up with a pun that worked. <laughs> and it is, but is it, if I can't make, buzz it, but is it oh. too, um, a takeoff on, on an existing myth? Yeah. Well, this one is about the underworld, uh, in general of Greek mythology. And, you know, that's where the, it's ruled over by an Olympian named Hades. So this myth, uh, picks up on a lot, it basically combines a lot of the different myths around the underworld and around the Greek god Hades, who, uh, in mythology, Hades was one of Zeus and Poseidon's brothers. Uh, and, and in this, uh, and he's kind of a, you know, he's portrayed as a villain. He wasn't necessarily a, a I mean, all the Greek gods were, were not the greatest. They <laughs> all pretty terrible to each other <laughs> and, and, and just their general outlook and how they trick people. But in this, uh, it was this really book, just kind of one big Thanksgiving dinner, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was. It was that you, you got to sit there and argue with your your uh, uncle Paul. <laughs> yeah. Just all basically arguing with, the, with each other um, and, and trying to one up each other and, and trying to trick each other and using mortals and uh, mortal heroes against each other. Yeah, just like Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, so yeah, this this has uh, this has several characters, um, Persephone and, and some other famous underworld uh, myths are folded into this book, um, and it's it's as much about the the uh, environment of the underworld uh, from mythology. That's where that's where mortals would go when they die, and it's not necessarily a bad place. It's just it's just the next place in uh, in the Greek uh, you know. The, the Greek mythos, the Greek uh, cosmetology of uh, of where um, of where people go when they die, and it's rolled over by Hades. And it's in mythology, it's described as this, you know beautiful, um, mysterious place. And that's that's how I wanted to portray it. And this too, I wanted it to be a little scary, but also just strange. And, and you know, because it's set in the crawl space under the pet center. Uh, and for, for each of these books, I have to kind of figure out real-world analogs for things in mythology, like how how could, if it's underneath the, the pet center, like it would be dark, you know, all spaces are nasty places. Anyone who's climbed under their house to fix a, a leaky pipe knows that. But uh, so, for, you know, for this, it's it's kind of lit up by this glowing moss, and it's got all these uh, different, uh, I guess they might be just leaks underneath the building, but all these different rivers and uh, it, it even goes into the the river Styx and in you know Charon uh, or Charon is, is probably as I always described him the the fairy master who takes people across to the uh, the, the underworld. So it's got all of these creepy characters in it, and Zeus and, and the gang go down and find themselves trapped in a in a, basically in prison down there. So it's a bit of a it's an adventure and a, a little bit of of a thriller too. How closely are these stories um, 
woven to match up to the original Greek myths? Uh, I'd say it, they hit the major themes and the major points. The you know because this is National Geographic, it they they do there is a certain standard of of like fidelity to the original myths, and and there there is a, a Greek expert who bets each story, and she will what I'll do is I'll write the outline for the story, and we'll send you know my editor and I will send the outline to the the Greek expert, and she'll look through it and. She'll be like, well, you're kind of missing this particular character or, or this, you know, relic or this particular event. Let's try and figure out a way to work it in. And, you know, at the same time, it, it, I can't overwhelm the readers with too many characters. Greek mythology has got a lot of characters. So I have to trim it down and adapt it. Um, but, yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's close enough that if, um, you know, a reader reads through it and then at the end of the book when they read, there's a section called The Truth Behind the Fiction. And, and yeah what the real myth was about, and then they'll read what the real myth was about, and they'll be like, oh, okay, I see how it all lines up. And and correct me if I've, if I've gotten the wrong impression, but I've always believed that the, the Greek myths were stories that were told to help explain the way the world was to people, that it was um, sort of their... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was their way of saying why is why, why are things like this, and there would be a lesson or a moral to each one of those. Do those lessons and morals hold up in uh, in in the series that you and Nat Geo have uh, put together? I like to think so. They're you're right. They were they you know they were stories told to help explain you know how what why there's why the land exists or why there's earthquakes or yeah why why, the, why the, what what is lightning all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things and you know they started as they 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 predate like you know paper <laughs> so they started as just oral stories that were told from town to town and uh i think it wasn't until you know the first kind of collection of them was was homer's odyssey and in in, we don't really know who Homer was, but these were stories that were basically told that incorporated, you know, gods that had been already that you know the ancient Greeks already knew about. So whenever you know Homer in the Odyssey talks about these different the different Olympian gods, uh, people that heard the stories would say, "Yeah, I know who that is." And then, yeah, there were. I'd say the the morals of these stories was it was really focused on the mortals that were featured in the stories because they would represent some different aspect. You know, Hercules, who uh, really represented kind of a lunk-headed strength, like a... a, um, And so maybe he wasn't quite as respected as, as say, uh, Odysseus, who's the hero of the Odyssey, who's really uh, kind of used his brains more than anything to get out of all these different predicaments. So I think it it was as much about how the mortals reacted to all these challenges by the gods that were the takeaways from these stories. And so in my adaptations of these stories, it's more about how the characters themselves kind of grow and relate and react, similar to how the mortals in, in the Greek myths did it. And that, that's kind of how we convey the, 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 myth, the morals of these myths in these kid stories. And now this is the fourth book in this series any idea how long this is gonna carry on how many 
books well, there I will be five. in the series? It's at least five because I just turned in that manuscript. So <laughs> <laughs> that one's in the can. Um, it, is and it, then we'll, it, we'll, Crispin, is that something you, you do is just stay a book ahead so that you... You always have another one coming out. <laughs> I try to, yeah. Well, these books, they, they do take, because they're illustrated, once I'm done, there's a, still a lot more work that needs to go into them, and then the, the illustrator who's, who does an awesome job kind of taking the uh, the pet center, the, you know, the, the pet shop, and converting it into, um, to give it that look that it could also be ancient Greece. So, you know, it goes to him, and then he, he illustrates so all the, the different scenarios in the, in the book. So once it, once then he's got, you know, several months. It's a it. great partnership then, the two of you have, because I certainly don't want to take anything away from, from the stories and how clever the stories are themselves. But it's, it is the artwork that makes those stories really become three-dimensional as you're looking through the book. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, Andy Elkerton's the illustrator, and I, he actually, you know, he'll take a scene from the book and and uh, interpret it in a way, and then I'll I'll get back, I'll, I'll get to look at you know works in progress, and I'll be like, you know what, I kind of like the way he he portrayed this particular part of the pet shop or whatever, and then sometimes I might been asked to if I can revise that section to match his illustration a little bit, and it's. It's one of those things too when when you're when you read a book before you see a movie and you have your own idea how things look and then after you see the movie then suddenly that's oh okay Tom Hanks now is that character <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. in, in, in the following you know the sequel so that's the way it is when I work with Andy like he'll well when if somebody if somebody says James Bond I, I still picture Sean Connery ah. Uh. As many yeah. people have, have done the roles and as many movies as there have been done since he was the character, he was the one I saw first and in several movies. So that's the look. It's the same thing with Sherlock Holmes and Basil Rathbone. Yeah, that's interesting. And you ask anyone from, you know, so even just a few years apart and, and they'll have different answers. Because uh, I would say Roger Moore. <laughs> and and that makes perfect sense because he was the next one. At, well, he wasn't the next one, but he was the next one to do several. And, yeah, and yeah. Um, it, it, the franchise became his for a while. It's funny. You can really tell someone's age from that from that one answer. <laughs> a, a little bit, yeah. Um, when, not, not that I'm saying you're older than me, but I just, I'm assuming it's... Uh, well, you uh, know, so, you know, it, it for people of my generation, you can tell almost exactly how old a person is if they remember the Kennedy assassination. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure, I'm sure. That and for other people, it might be, uh, you know, for a generation before me, it might be Pearl Harbor. For people since then, it might be September 11th. Pretty soon yeah, it'll be January the Challenger 6th. disaster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that's what is uh, is so much fun about these books that you're doing, Crispin, because the stories that they're based on go so far back. Yeah, and and really, you know, they're they're the first stories. I I mean, they're the first kind of dramatic tales of, of heroes and adventure and 
they've been reinterpreted so many times and uh, they, they set up kind of a general formula like the hero's journey that everything is followed Star Wars and you know Harry Potter and uh, and it's it's really fun for me too to go in and kind of reinterpret the exact stories but you know my my goal is to make it uh, just kind of entertaining and, and have the, the you know we try and we try and make the stories funny uh, as as much as there's adventure and, and you know Zeus who's uh, this little hamster is also even though he has mellowed out through the series he's still uh, a pretty egotistical little guy and has <laughs> to be you know he, he's his own worst uh, his own best ideas will do him in if not if the other Olympians aren't there to help him out so that's probably not going to change uh, and, and he's never going to outgrow that aspect of his personality so the epic escape from the underworld is uh, the the name of this particular book what what uh, are you tackling in the next one the next story is actually the Odyssey it's, uh, oh really so it's it transitions into a high sea into a high seas adventure and a sea voyage, um, and it, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, I'd say as the, as the books go on, they they really build the one you know even though they can be read really in any order, they do build the world builds um, and you get to see new parts of the world. So that that's one of the cool things too um, that young readers the more they read. Uh, the pet center expands. They get to, you know, they've, in, in you know, in, in real life, they they go into the backyard of the pet center. Or they'll go underneath the pet center. Or they'll go into the bacon shop next door. But uh, these things are interpreted into these different parts of ancient Greece. Um, so, which is fun too, because it's, it's not just. Even though it seems like they're confined to a pet shop, there's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of real estate to cover. And uh, it, it's fun to see the different different parts of ancient Greece represented in in you know just you know like a vacant shop and in a crawl space underneath and that's the nice thing about them being animals they're fairly small so they can get in all kinds of trouble. Um, Crispin, what kinds of things are you working on in addition to this series for uh, Nat Geo Kids? Well, I usually, yeah, they always keep me busy with, so I, I have Zeus, which is a, a fiction series, but then I also write a lot of titles for them that are nonfiction and also for the same age group. So uh, I, I write, I have a book called Top Secret that's about spies and, uh, you know, government projects and, and ninjas and things like that. Um, I've got a book called Just Why with a question mark that answers 1,100 questions the kids have. Uh, and then I've got a series that are for really, really young readers. I mean, like before they're even reading, it's uh, it's called the uh, well. There's there's a cute series and a cool series. So it's say like a, a book about sharks. It's called That's Cool Sharks. And then it's just a lot of fun pictures and, and simple facts about sharks. And we've done that series about leopards and frogs and and uh, puppies and dinosaurs. So you know, I'm a uh, as a Freelance writer, I, I need to keep busy, and it's nice to be able to split my time between fiction and nonfiction. And uh, yeah, it's it's also nice to always have always have work going on. Um, and as a, it's it's nice too as a contract writer, I can pretty much uh, live wherever I have internet 
and so uh yeah i was gonna say i was gonna ask do you have you always uh done your work from home or did you have to uh retreat to home for the pandemic like so many people have well uh I like to think that I worked from home before it was cool or, you know, mandated. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I used to work in an office. I used to be a magazine writer, and I worked in an office. And then around 2008, I, I decided to go freelance, and I've been working at home since. And, um, yeah, it, it's I've, I've written uh, books in the passenger seat of a car on cross-country trips. And, it's, it's, you know, it's one nice thing about being a writer. There's not much overhead. I just need a laptop and Internet. And um, I can pretty much work anywhere as long as I can don't get distracted. And um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's not great not having health insurance, like corporate health insurance. That would be nice. But fortunately, my, my spouse has that. So <laughs> I'm able to, Crispin, able, have, I'm able to have it all. Have, have I shared my, uh, my Stephen King quote with you? I don't think so. No. It, 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 he was he was being interviewed, not by me, sadly, but he, he was asked um, if he wrote to a muse or to a schedule, and he <laughs> said always to the muse. But fortunately, the muse shows up every morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> That's what what about yeah, you? I'm... Do you binge write, or are you sort of disciplined and? Set up an outline, sit down, and do what you plan to do for that day. And I'm pretty disciplined. Uh, I, yeah, I realized a long time ago that um, you just have to. I basically have a daily quota. I have to write this much, and it, you know, it might be uh, a thousand words. It might be two hundred words. Depends on where I'm at in the project. To, uh, you know, two or three hundred words, and you know, the things that. The thing about it, if it's 200 words or 1,000 words, and if I need to be done by the end of the day, it all gets done at the same time. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be done at like you know, 6, 6 p.m. And sometimes, you know, it depends. How, how much you I, get I done do depends on when the deadline is. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Can't miss the deadline. Well, Crispin, as always, the time has just flown by, but I want to make sure, as I always do, to give you an opportunity to share with listeners where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Crispin, do you have a website you'd like to share? Well, really, it's just ZeusTheMighty.com. That's your prim- that's your one-stop shop to find everything about Zeus. Or, you know, you put my name, Crispin Boyer, into Amazon or, you know, just uh, any other place, website, you buy books, or just look for me in the kids section at your local bookstore. Well, Crispin, thanks for spending this time with me and the listeners, and keep up the good work. Oh, thanks so much, Tom. It's always a pleasure. All right. Take care. That was Crispin Boyer, and uh, the book uh, we're talking about uh, today a little bit, um, well, the series is Zeus the Mighty, but this particular uh, latest installment is the epic escape from the underworld a treat for proto percy jackson fans according to kirkus review and uh we'll have more of the tom sumner program my hands I don't touch my face 
girl, I stay at home. Shelter in place. Social distance. Don't go to work. I wear a mask and gloves. I stay away from church. I avoid old folks. And should I sneeze, I do it in my elbow or up my sleeve. Six feet apart, that is the rule. And I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, and I'm sick of what I see. Of quarantine will be the death of me. The death of me. I risk a trip to the grocery store to buy TP and a few things more. But when I get there, all I can find. Sixteen honey buns and some mad dog wine. I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD. I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors 'cause I'm sick of what I see. So this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know they say this is war, but we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Pork Chop Hill. And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bat soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over, like "Yes, dear, yes, dear." At breakfast, I meant to say, "Honey, please pass me the pepper." Well, what slipped out was, "You crazy woman, you've ruined my life." <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized. <laughs> as soon as I regained consciousness. Tom Sumner. Program.com. The Tom Sumner. Program.com. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh yeah. Hey. <laughs> This is the unknown comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now.
and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell, East Village Magazine, Flint Institute of Music, Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno, Flint Community School, MTA Flint, Flint Comics and Entertainment, Hamity Complete Food Center, The Flint River Watershed Coalition, WH Wisecarver, The Genesee County Road Commission, Lone Museum Auto Fair, Thomas Appliance, The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, Mock Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov slash AG for your connection to consumer protection. Oh, I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Now, I want to tell you this, this story. This is a game that we played when we, were, when we were kids, and it's called Buck Buck. We played it in Philadelphia. Buck Buck. Now, you people out here on the West Coast probably know nothing about it. Uh, in New York, it's called Johnny on the Pony and other things. It's where f- five kids line up you see, and they bend over, they're in a straight line, they bend over, and one kid grabs a fence or a wall or a pole, holds on to that, the next kid puts his right arm around his waist, you see, bends over, tucks his head under, and you got five guys lined up exactly like that. So they all look like a long horse. Now, the object of the game is that one at a time, one by one, kids come running up and they say, buck, buck, number one, come in, they run up, leap in the air, and they land on the horse. And they keep going, bam, 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 until they collapse the horse, you see. Now, that's the object of the game. Then you count how many kids you held, and you you go back and forth, you see. Now, we had the champion buck-buck team of the world. When I tell you we played buck-buck, there was nobody that whipped us anywhere, man. And you can tell kids that play a lot of buck-buck because they're built like this, you see. And their legs are only four inches long. That's all they have, because they've been crushed so much. So we're around there practicing, buck, buck, number five, land on each other. Some kids come down from the rough part of town, and they're really tough, man. They got toothpicks on the side of their mouth, and a hat on sideways, and they got their pants on backwards, you know, <laughs> just rebelling against everything, you know. And he said, listen, we're here, you're supposed to be so tough, we challenge you to the buck, buck championship of the world. So he said, all right. So I line up, turkeys. So we line up, five of us, whack. They start sending kids down. Buck, buck, number one, come in. They feel pretty heavy, man. We check them out. Guys have rocks in their pockets to make them way heavier, you know. And buck, buck, number two. Now they get up to 300 and it's really heavy. Buck, buck, 300, come in. Now they're on top of us, piled all the way up to the sky, and they're rocking back and forth. Hold on, Harold. I can't do it no more, guys. Come on, hold on. Buck, buck, 400, come in. We collapse. All right, how many did you hold? We held 400 of your guys. Well, that was pretty good, but we usually hold around 600. <laughs> All right, we line up. They line up. Send the first kid down, old weird Harold. All right, Harold. Buck, buck, number one, come in. These guys are really cool. What was that? A mosquito? <laughs> you guys don't have no weight. Come on, let's go. Buck, buck, number two, come in. I landed a piece of paper. Somebody threw a piece of paper on top of me. Buck, buck, number three. That 
nothing. Four, five, we got the championship. All right, bring out your last man, you turkeys. Come on, bring him out. Come on out, Fat Albert. Fat Albert was the baddest buck buck breaker in the world. And he loved to hear us call his name. Fat Albert weighed 2,000 pounds. And he kicked the door to his house open. And you could hear him say, hey, hey. We built a little ramp for him to walk down so he could build up speed because he couldn't hardly run fast. And he was coming, hey, hey. And the ground's trembling. Trees falling over. Buildings losing pieces of brick. Parents taking kids off the street. And these guys are the what's the ground doing shaking, man? How come the ground's shaking? So that's Fat Albert coming for you. Hey! And he turned the corner, they saw one leg. What is that? So that's Fat Albert. Hey! And they stood up. We give, he ain't falling on us. Now, I told you that story to tell you this one. Now. Guys, guys in my neighborhood went to great lengths to scare anybody. Because it's a great thing when you scare somebody. They lose their cool completely. That's the only time when a human being is really himself. I mean, because if you scare somebody good, they just, the legs shoot out, the hair stands up, the eyes bug out, and they say, blah, blah. Yeah, see? And then you laugh. Ah, 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 that was really funny, man. You got so scared. Ah, ah, ah. So, guys found this statue. Stole it, really. A statue of Frankenstein. Five feet, eight inches tall. In color of the monster. Frankenstein monster. Ooh. They take it home. There's only three of them. Take it home. They take it into an apartment building. Put it up on the third floor landing, you see. Now they take out all the lights in the hallway. Put in a pink one right by the monster statue. One kid gets behind it. They send another one out in the street. He calls a kid. They come running up. He passes the kid with the statue, taps him. Kid with the statue leans it. Kid that doesn't know anything about it turns around and kills himself running out of the building. You see, this is called fun. Because then you laugh at the guy. Boy, you were really scared, Red. You fell 12 flights of stairs. That was really funny. So, I'm coming home from the store about 8.30. No, I always have my music with me. I always have to hum my music because monsters cannot attack you if you have your music with you. Hey, cars! What? Come on over, man. You should see it. Herman's getting a beating. Let's go watch it. Herman? Yeah, I love to see Herman getting a beating. And I took, man, and I'm chasing after this guy. I can't wait, man, to see Herman getting a beating because I don't like Herman anyway. And he goes up the second flight and says, wait for me, man, wait for me. Don't go so fast. And he makes that turn around the third, and I make the turn, and the guy takes a second. I never touched one step. Ran two miles before I realized what had happened. When I turned around, they were right behind me laughing. Ah, 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 
back. I'm rolling, kicking the feet up in the air on the back. It was really funny, boy. You were really cool, man. You just lost everything as well. Your hair was standing up and everything. It was a... That ain't funny, man. You can kill somebody like that. Suppose somebody wouldn't look at that statue and their heart just stopped pumping right away. Or the guy would have just fallen down some stairs and hurt himself. I didn't but Yeah, but God, you just see yourself. It was really funny, man. You just went, true, didn't even touch one stuff, man. It's really cool, I'm telling you. <laughs> Listen, guys, now you got to get somebody. Yeah, that's right. Get up in the hallway. Get the statues up. Come on, we're going to get somebody. I'm going to scare somebody now, boy. It ain't going to just be me, I tell you that. I get somebody killed around here. It'll really be funny because when they leave that statue on him, oh, that'll be it for them. And I'm waiting. How's that? Is the thing up? Yeah, okay. Here we go. And we, somebody's got to come sooner or later. I'm going to get somebody. And I hear off in the distance. Hey! Fat Albert. Hey! I said, hey, Fat Albert, come here, man. You should see Herman. He's getting a beating. I like to see Herman get a beating. Now, Fat Albert is not too fat, see? So I run up and I grab my arm. Come on, Albert, hurry up. And I start hitting him behind the back. Hurry up, man. Did you see it before it's over? Hey, we go up the second flight. I start laughing because I know what it is. And turn around. Come on, Albert. We get up to the third flight and the guy's there. Oh. I forgot I was behind him. <laughs> they, uh, they took me to the hospital and they put me in a bed beside a wino who was run over by two kids. And we both agreed that uh, frightened children are really uh, hard to get along with. I never had a guy dance on me so long. And he was so scared he couldn't even get a hey, hey. He was and just dancing right on me forever. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. There's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. But thanks to uh, all of our guests today, uh, including this last hour with Crispin Boyer from National Geographic Kids uh, series Zeus the Mighty, and uh, Susan Plunkett, author of The Wanderers on Earth and uh, all of the rest. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening. 